spelled Jenny or Jennifer? Okay. Firstly, I want to congrat Jennifer. Um, we played in the Sun's <laughs> Welcome. I miss everybody. I miss doing this. You know, I've been doing the every two week thing and it has been going well. Uh, shout out to Miss Naomi Osaka. That's how I started the pod. This week, it just was so legendary, and I know that she's probably a sweet girl, and I know a sweet young woman, and I know that she probably wasn't trying to be petty, but to me, it was just so funny. Like, when I saw her just be like, just ask that question, and then, like, see... I know it was an accident, but it's just so funny. It made me it made me laugh, so I included it. I wanted to start with that energy, you know, that bite. And you know, aside from that, you know, your boy's been been recovering. I'll say that. So for those, I did say this in the last podcast on my birthday pod. I said that you know I was getting. I had just gotten. I was about to get surgery so I did get that procedure it was on my hip so that's why I said one hip wonder shout out to me and I'm recovering pretty well I mean I am grateful for that I'm grateful for uh my family and friends that have made um recovery easy that have made sort of life you know not as mobile or ambulatory as I'm used to be pretty stress-free. So shout out to y'all. You know who you are. Um, yeah, and I just had a... I've, I've, this February, we tried it. I mean, it was beautiful in a lot of ways. And there was progress that, that made me feel like everything is on the right. Everybody who is doing their thing um, in my space is doing the right thing like it did seem to confirm a lot of things so um you know that that's always beautiful but yeah it was not without without trial without tribulation for sure but then surge so i said surgery well recovery is going well your boy is almost you know that's coming that's coming along uh i do wanna i wanna discuss some things but I guess I'll do that on the next pod I'm not really sure like I'm avoiding a difficult conversation with y'all but I I think I'll get to it eventually but one of the things that I wanted to do before getting into like the shit talking element where you know I just discussed like shit that I've seen recently that I like blah, blah blah is I wanted to start with just statements of gratitude so there are a couple things that I'm super grateful for that I'll discuss now. The first is just my, I'm grateful for my ancestors, grateful for my elders, right? In healing and watching my body do its thing, I have 
one been I, I feel the indebtedness or at least a great appreciation that I have for my ancestors that my healing is even going well that you know the way my body responds to this kind of medical or therapeutic trauma is not like some wild crazy shit so I'm grateful for that but I'm also grateful for the time that I have, you know, so many of my elders that I have seen pass on and become ancestors didn't have the time to heal, really. Like, you know, you get injured, but you are too poor to take off from work. You don't have any support, someone that can help you pay bills while you're recovering. The health insurance is bullshit. The health care is trash. The health care may have gotten you sick in the first place. You know, there's all this, all of this, and then you just don't have time to let your body try to solve its problem. And it's not the case that, you know, the body will solve the problem perfectly. It's not the case that we should just let things go. But a lot of times, you know, a lot of the solution could be rest, could be just staying in your bed. Like for the first three or four days, I was in my bed and I was so grateful for the ability to just be in my bed. Initially, I thought I was going to go crazy because I'm such a, you know, active person in, in the context of needing to process information through movement. So it is very much like, oh shit, I'm gonna be in my bed. I'm gonna be in my bed. You know, like I was not trying to do that as well as I was not trying to depend on other people. So it was a lot of things. But when when everything went down, I was like even if I heal imperfectly, which a boy is probably just not, okay? We don't speak that. But just even if I heal imperfectly, the the privilege of just having this time to heal is amazing. And how it came to me was through really imperfect means, right? Through this pandemic, through a lot of things that would be stressors on their own that afforded me the ability to do that. So shout out to time and healing and restoration and recovery and things. And then I also wanted to say, I also wanted to be like, um, really grateful for younger me, right? So I was reflecting on a couple things and I was like, bought like a couple rings, Brits in the condo and grams to sing, sing. Um, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. But I was reflecting on a couple things and, um, you know, I feel like I'm currently discovering new beauties that I'm capable of or that my environment, my loved ones, you know, that my experience is capable of holding. I also feel like I'm learning simple truths. And for me, sometimes when I learn simple truths or access new beauty that was previously unavailable to me due to blockages or patterns of thinking learned from the environment but imposed by myself, I get real mad. I'd be like, 
Yo, what the fuck? Like, you should have known. Like, what's really good? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing? You know, I get really mad at myself. And recently, like two days ago, I was journaling. As y'all know, I do. I was journaling and I wrote that I should be thankful even though I'm discovering simple truths, simple things about pleasure, simple things about uh, relaxation, simple things about uh, simple things about simple shit, frankly. I am so thankful for my younger self for even trying. You know, I, I for even trying to live a life of but something that felt like a full human experience or with that orientation towards fullness, with the attempts, the daring, the, you know, maybe misguided attempts, but that effort, those, those, just whatever you would call it, that initiative, I am thankful for my younger self for even doing that. Because a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people feel like they can't do that. Um, a lot of people don't persist. You know, they just don't continue. And I'm not even speaking about it in like a suicide perspective. But there have there been many things that I've turned my back on as possible for me. And I feel that this time, or even for as many things, for that number of things that I've turned my back on, there is such a larger number of things I did not and things that I tried. So I'm just thankful for that. You know, shout out to younger me for staying in the game, for, for not giving up. Shout out to her, you know what I'm saying? We love her. So thank you. So now we're going to leave the gratitude. We're going to go straight into the movies. Okay, so I watched... What did we do? I think we did Judas and Malcolm last week or last episode. So we can do the bullshit that I watched. Okay. I watched Behind Her Eyes. And um, if you, okay. So if you like mess, watch it. If you like mess. If you don't like mess. So if you don't like that, if you want something serious, I would not watch her. But I thought it was good. So, I mean, it's probably going to be spoilers. But I don't give a fuck. Y'all already know. If you're listening to this, it's going to be some. But I'm going to try to keep it cute because I'm not going to spoil, like, the twist. There's some twists that I will not spoil, right? So, essentially, it's about this woman, this black woman who, her, okay. So, ostensibly, right, her race is not part of the story, Okay. Not really, but you know, it's hard not to see it. So she's a single mom. Um, she's divorced. Her husband, you know, tried it and was a bullshit person and then he found a new bitch, whatever. So there's there's relationship there. There's messiness there, right? But she good, she's a beautiful mom. Adam, her son, loves her. It's all lovely. She's an assistant or she does some kind of secretarial function at this psych. Uh, psych clinic and her new boss so she goes out has a one night with this guy trying to find out that the new the guy is her boss well it's not a one night i shouldn't say that they met chemistry they kiss he runs away he's like no i can't do this she comes to work the next day this new man is her motherfucking boss then she bumping into some girl 
who she fucks with or whatever. She bumped into some girl. They start getting cool, and then she realized, and she recalls her from uh, the the meeting that the new girl is her boss's wife. So now she's stuck in this love triangle. All the shit is on the summary, so I'm not spoiling the shit. It's all a Netflix summary. So she's in this love triangle between her boss and her friend, who's her boss's wife. And they're both white. And the old girl is rich. And what you have at the end, I mean, I'm not going to go into all that tea, but for it, it's just like watching this woman uh, get into this messy-ass situation when she has more to lose than either of the people involved is really like... You know, it's really, it's just messy. It's addicting in some way. Like, you can't turn your back. And there are supernatural elements there. I mean, I didn't think it was good. It's not good. But if you want trash, watch it. Then I watched U.S. versus Billie Holiday. And, you know, like, y'all know this is a Trayvante Stan account. I may walk in Trayvante Rose Stan account because he's fine as hell. However, you know, I, I really think, like, because of my experience, the if you have fed, which is a spoiler, but if you have fed, like, I just feel like, um, well, it's not that much of a spoiler, so whatever. But if you have fed, um, I just feel like, I can't. Like, I've seen people on Tinder that are cops that will say, like, investigator, or they'll say, like, and I just swipe left. Like, I can't. I swipe left before I even knew that, like, before I know that I'm swiping left. Like, I'll see. It's like how in psych, I took uh, psych in college, and there would be these tests where they would flash words and, you know, ask you if you saw it, and you would say you didn't see it, but part of your body would react to the word, even though you didn't know that you reacted to it. It's like that. Like, I'd be swiping left and be on the next person as soon as I see cop. As soon as I see FBI. I mean, and it might, like, sometimes I'm like, damn, what if it's not FBI? Like, what if it's like, you know... (laughs) What if I, because if I think if I see B.I., I automatically, like, just swipe left. Like, it could be, like, it could be U.B.I., for all I know. But I see B.I., like, I'll see Black B.I., and it's left. Like, if I see it, if I see M.Y.P., I mean, literally, nothing gets a left swipe faster than M.Y.P.D. And the thing about it is that they be proud. Like, they be on Tinder, like, people want that. I mean, you know what people do? Let me not. I mean, I don't know. There are people that like cops, people that think the whole cop thing is sexy. I've never been one of those girls. I won't start being one of those girls. Not happening. Um, I mean, same thing for Army, but, you know, let me be quiet because I do know that people like the military and all of that. But I've also not found it sexy. I respect the, um, I respect the individual narrative So, like, I respect everybody in the military as individuals who have performed a calculus in their minds that applies to them individually that could result in their death, right? So, the individual who feels like this kind of service is their calling but also has endured, like, also could have died, also 
didn't die but has tons of trauma tons of things like of being subject to this kind of thing i have infinite respect for and sympathy and for that but for military as a like you know like the american you i'm not out here like oh girl like you know i'm not leaking because your army like it's not happening um but you know whatever so I watched Behind Her Eyes, and then I watched you, the U.S. It's good. So U.S. versus Billie Holiday, I'm not even sure if that's the right title, but it's on Hulu, is good. I did enjoy it. Um, I found Andra, I think she goes, yeah, Andra Day to be lovely. I think she channeled. I felt like she was giving me Billie. She was giving me Billie. Um I let's see what I can go into. I mean, I did feel like I was watching a play for a large part of it. It is shot and like it just reminds me of a play. But then I heard that then I found out that Susan Laurie Parks wrote the screenplay and it made sense because, you know, I know her primarily as a playwright. So like in the blood fucking a like all the plays that I first discovered her in. I'm not saying that that's like who she is. or I'm not trying to reduce her art form to plays, but I knew her most intimately as a playwright. So um, it just made sense to me. The acting in general, I found to be strong. I mean... I do say that I think my tolerance right now is like my tolerance for period pieces, including racial history, to be at its peak almost. Because like, with reading Wayward Lives, with reading Medical Apartheid, who I got to text, I got to text him. I was just so I was reading it before, but I read like 10 pages. And then in that 10 pages, I got so upset and so fearful because I was getting surgery that it was like, you might need to put this down. Okay, you might need to put this down. Because I would have a panic attack on the surgery table, or whatever the fuck it's called. The operating, I'd panic attack. So I was like, let me just, you know what? You like, you like, we, we like knowledge, we like information, but you are about to get surgery and you just need to put this down. So I did, okay? But I picked it back up, finished intro and chapter one, and it is everything, everything. It's stressful. It's stressful. Um, it's stressful. But, but I, well, I'll read more of it and then bring that to y'all. But there is, between medical apartheid, which is, you know, starting from, you know, black people's, I would say entrance, but introduction, violent introduction through middle passage, et cetera, to the new world, quote unquote, I, uh, it starts there. So it's a good four or and something years of, um, history there and it's it's frustrating and angering and sad and it for me does a lot of shit that whatever but it's great so whatever but between that wayward lives uh one night in miami u.s versus billy holiday um parable um both of them like, I've just been in a lot of texts that are both, like, futuristic in the parable sense, but also a lot of it is historical. 
that's about racism, <laughs> I mean, effectively. And I am a little tired of it. I'm a little I'm a little tired of it. Yeah, I I'm feeling very you know, it's like when I read these things, I just or witness or behold this kind of art, I the first thought that comes to my mind is damn, white people have been evil for a really long time. Like, white people have been evil for a long... Like, how are you evil for that long? You know? And that's the first thing I think. And a lot of times, I just feel like... I don't know if that's helpful. I don't know. I just... It just hurts me. I don't know. It breaks my little heart. So let me just... I have to, you know... I have to temper that with other things, and that's what I'm working on doing. I should be finished with some of the books this week, so I'll, my new slate of three or four will be different. It will be diversified. It will be poems. It will be blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, so let's get into the shits after that. I feel like there are a couple things, but I don't really know how much I want to go into each thing, so I'm going to be I'm on some bullshit, so my bad. The first one is about security. So the podcast, I've been, like previously, our last podcast, last episode, I was talking about the imposition of self, right? Of, yeah. So this idea that like we impose ourselves onto things and we call it will, we call it pioneering, we call it, you know whatever marshalling we you know whatever you put on your resume we call it all these things like self-determination but self-determination and imposing your will on the environment are not the same things this is thinking that is rooted in white supremacists whatever you'd call it white settler all the things white colonialism like it is all the things that we have come to the i say the regime that's how i kind of summarize it right uh, so all of that, right? Um, so I'm trying, so the project has been to, and for those new to the pod, I consider everything to be the same project. Like, I, and let me say that more clearly. I consider the political, social project for liberation to be the same as, you know, personal development, personal freedom, the, the, the recovery and healing from trauma, the, de the designing and development of personal relationship, romantic, aromantic, you know, parental, sibling, all of those things. Um, being on the block and loving your block, like all of that shit to be part of the same project. I think it's a difference of scope, a difference of degree, but I, I think that they inform each other and they should for, you know, for a sustainable uh, energy or sustainable ambition or sustainable like project or whatever. So, yeah, da, 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 da. I was talking about yeah. So there's the whole imposition of will, imposition of self slash will conversation. And prior to that, I was talking about fear, right? Like how there's so much fear, and I'm not gonna recount that, but that's in previous episodes. But essentially, I was saying that we don't have to choose fear. We, in the moment in which we are afraid, and in which our fear is arresting our breath in which we 
are frozen or running away. Like in these moments, we can choose something else. And it's not that fear is useless. I think fear as an emotional, uh, as an emotional, intentional, mental state, what have you, has value and that it viscerally prioritizes what's important to you. But we don't have to choose that. You know, we can, there are other ways to get to what's important to you. There are other ways to get to, you know, the dangers and real threats that are in your environment. Like, we, there are other ways. We can choose something else. And where I'm at now is that security, I can choose to be secure. I can literally choose to be secure in the love that I'm receiving, to be secure in, you know, my body, to be secure in my expression of sexuality, of sensuality, of love, of humor, silliness. I can choose it. You know, a lot of times I felt like I got to do this long, long, drawn out process to getting to a point where I am actually secure in myself. And I do think that, you know, there's work to be done. I'm not saying that you can just say in the mirror, I choose security and then your ass going to be secure. But I am saying that being secure in oneself is not a confluence of random events or a, a confluence of like some kind of like mysticality there. It's like, yes, there is mystery in the human experience, but there is a, there is an ability to say, to condition the mind and body and spirit to be such that like you aren't out here. You can choose security. Like you can say, like I've been doing to myself uh, or for myself, to reminding myself to be confident in what my body does, reminding myself that there not need to be shame um, for what my body does. And the, the you know, like reminding myself that in, in some of the anxieties, if not all of the anxieties that I carry with me all the time, are a result of um, violences that I've endured, but and my feeling of being insecure, and I mean insecure like denotatively, so just not having security or not feeling like I am in a secure position. Um, or even, but you can use the other use of insecure as well. I feel... It's, I learned that from violence, and I don't have to keep doing that. I don't have to keep, I don't have to keep those lessons. Violence is not a good teacher. You know, violence is one of those things where it helps you learn the, the, the concept broadly, you know, like, Hot things burn, you know, so it can teach you these like large, sweeping, indiscriminate, not nuanced concepts like, you know, like men are men can harm you. You know what I mean? Like these type of things it can teach you, but it's not a good like it's not giving you the detailed tea. It's not it's not limiting 
things that you really need to know. It's like to the level that you need to know it. It's, you know, a really, it lacks craftiness or it lacks craft. It lacks like technique. It lacks detail. It's not a good teacher, right? So it's time to let that shit go and learn learn better and differently or learn better and through different means. Um, so that's one of them that I wanted to discuss today. And then going on to the second was... Um, oh, yeah. It was something that I don't really know how to describe, but I want to talk about it anyway. It was like, you know, I'm feeling like... <sighs> Part of what I think about, like, is part of what I think about is where do I fit in the movement? Where do I fit in the struggle? What are going to be the things that I contribute? What is my offering? When I think about that, I think that there are ways that I could show up that would be day one beneficial. You know, based on a lot of things that I've done in the past, based on things that I do on paper. And then there are things that I, are ways that I can contribute that I think are sustainable for my, for us as a community, for the system and community in which I'm a part, um, of which I'm a part, and also for just myself, like what won't deplete me and whatever. And when I think about all of that, I think that the therapy of justice, the therapy of liberation and freedom is where I would like to concentrate a large portion of my work. And when I say that, I don't mean be a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I mean that there... I think that a lot of the way to get people to liberation is to treat people, particularly marginalized folks, because I don't think about white people in this way, even though I do in some way, but it's not in the same way. I think that, you know, we have to acknowledge that we need treatment, something that's closer to care than it is analysis. Now, it's not the case that we don't need analysis. We need analysis, especially because our enemies will try those, you know, opposing liberation, the folks that have nothing but, like, that will go through leaps and bounds, that will sell their mothers to, to stop us from being free, right? Like, those people like analysis and not do they like not only do they like analysis they also are good at like sophistry you know what i mean they're good at selling us logic and selling us reasoning that looks like it could be true but is not like that subtly deceptive ass reasoning like that's what that is like the oppressor's bag you know what i'm saying like this looks like it makes sense and abusing logic and statistics to make us think some wild shit like this is like as old as their time right so we need our own analysis, we need our own information, we need our own, you know, our own theory, our own epistemology, frankly, like, 
our own way of knowing things um, on an abstract level. But surviving, enduring, or enduring a you know perjuring system of oppression, um, enduring a, a a space that constantly tries to negate you, that exposes you to untold or like just insane amounts of violence on a regular basis. Uh, exposure to people invested in your insecurity, invested in your terror, that has a traumatic effect on the mind. It's not the case that I can pick up a book and like read about love and become a better lover overnight. And I'm not saying that you can't learn from books, but what I'm saying is, in my experience, right, like, and I've used this example before. When I talk to people, including myself, about work, about feeling good, having self-esteem, and working. And I also think I talk to myself about liberation and freedom. And we talk about this in the context of offering and capitalism and reciprocity, mutual aid and stuff. I cannot fight elitism, fight capitalism, and all these things, and root my self-esteem in my performance at one of these jobs. Like, I can't be like, okay, because and I can't be like, oh, I gotta, you know, I only feel good about myself when I excel at my corporate job. Or... Not even only that, but the title I have as investment banker, as COO, as whatever, is going to give me a sense of pride that cannot be duplicated or received in any other thing that I'm currently doing. Like, I swing my dick around because I have this title, or because I make this money, or because I do that. I can't do that and then talk about liberation, because rooting my self-esteem in this type in this type of industry, in this capitalist, industrial capitalist, uh, elitist structure is not liberation. And more than that, it's like when you bring in race into that, I mean, my ability to work for somebody else really shouldn't be what I root my self-esteem in i mean especially but like not even just that because i'm not trying to say entrepreneurs deserve to root their self-esteem in their work as well i think that there's more potential for overlap in that ideally you're doing something that's your vocation but we know that that's not always we know that's seldom true entrepreneurs are just capitalists in a lot of ways and as you run into the same ideological problem so Nah, but a lot of us, people of color, especially people that have worked their way from poverty through elitist structures, through being the gifted child, through athletics, through all of these things, you've paid a real price. It's not like you just woke up one day and became middle class, upper middle class, or whatever, upper class. It's like you've 
endured the racism, you endured all the sexism, you endured the heteronormativity, you endured the cisgender, you know, the cis trauma, you endured the ableism, you endured, you know, everything else, and you excelled despite, you got to where you wanted to get to despite. So there's a reason that you rooted your pride and your self-esteem in that because you have defied odd against odd against odd against odd through this, you know, through the machinery of elitism. So telling somebody who has that mindset, hey, yo, fuck that job. Like, yeah, it's good that you got the job, fuck that job, though, because you got to save lives. And this ain't, you know, this cute, but it's not, it's not. Telling somebody like that, particularly somebody who may have been, come from an immigrant family, so their, their parents have left their family to come to this country so that you can get your education. Like, telling people with that backstory, that is nonsense. And it's not to say that it's impossible to convince somebody. It definitely is possible. But what is more likely to convince them or to get them really rooted in liberation is, is care, right? It's actually dealing with the self-esteem problems at its root. With teaching the freedom of emotional like attachment and self-concept and you know pushing what it means to be a self, what it means to love yourself, what it means to accept yourself, like what self-esteem even means, you know, what are the building blocks of self-esteem? Really having these conversations so that when you get to a point where it's like fuck that job. That job that's suited in white supremacy or that job that's suited in some bullshit or whatever, when you get to that point, it's not crazy. You're not challenging folks at their core. And I'll just tell a story of mine. You know, I, a couple of years ago, I started, I mean, not a couple, maybe like seven or something like that. Actually, ironically, it was love that made me like this. So I'd probably say like 22, so eight, nine years ago, is when I started to take elitism apart in my mind. And the reason, the sort of impetus behind that was um, love and romance, right? Like I graduated from college at 21. So I guess it was 21. I graduated from college. And I wanted to somehow like find a black man to be my partner. And I, didn't, I wasn't looking for partnerships, so I don't want to get to lying. But like at the time, I was only considering like sexually anybody. You had to be black, okay? So I was really like on there, like like that. And uh, because of that, I found myself being open to everyone black queer just regardless of class because you know because of just me wanting to date a lot of black people and then me being really turned off by the black bougie people that I've met that I met at the time and but when I did that when I shifted to date anybody regardless of class there were real issues of equity right like health insurance you know, so this is pre-Obamacare. 
I was like, well, I, at 21, work at this investment bank. My health insurance is bomb, okay? I got Gucci health insurance. I'm here dating people regardless of class. I can be dealing with dating people that don't have health coverage at all. That if they don't go to the Department of Health to get, you know, STI screening, they don't know. They have no real ability to, to take care of that. You know, there, were a, there are a few clinics that do that kind of work. So I had to think about that. Like, okay, you're now dealing with health concerns that because of the way we deal with healthcare and health insurance in this country, that being open outside of class, you, you might deal with that. And what are you going to do about that? Like, are you, you know, and like having to think about that sort of thing and encounter it at like 21, 22 made me really just made me start to take elitism apart. But it wasn't until later that I really was like, nah, fuck that, and I'm okay with throwing it all away, or I'm okay with the work of throwing it all away. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, having my education not give me special treatment, uh, you know, having my, you know, education, having people that I meet in person be like, fuck that, I don't give a fuck you went to school. And really interacting with that and not feeling destabilized by that. Um, and I think that's made me a better leader, but this is a tangent. I have been investing in my elite education since before I could think, independently. <laughs> my grandfather, you know, told me I was going to college, started calling me doctor when I was like three, gay. Okay. Like, I was going to fucking school. My, my, period. My grandmother was, she'll never agree, she'll never say that she did this, but she was stealing, she used to work at United Cerebral Palsy, you know, with folks with cerebral palsy. She was stealing math notebooks from there so that I can do math problems at four years old, okay? Because she saw that I could add, you know, shit. And she was like, let me just steal from this and your ass is going to be doing workbooks in the house, okay? You got to go to kindergarten and be, and be on 100, okay? So that is, like, I was doing that, you know, as a kid. My grandparents invested in me. I worked... At a very young age, okay, both like got a job with a W-2, but also like from in school doing, you know, prep for prep. I'm a prep alum. I have been invested in this most of my life. And I sacrificed the, the poverty that my, my family didn't have any money while I was at Chilt, the things that we sacrificed for me to even do that, the things that we sacrificed, that I sacrificed in college, the amount of work I put in, I had multiple jobs at one point. For me to now say some shit like, yo, I can't root my self-esteem in being a graduate of one of the most prestigious boarding schools in the country. I can't root my self-esteem in being a graduate of one of the best school universities in the world. My self-esteem can't be based on that. That shit is destabilizing. Because it's like, nigga, you said, what? 
you, your grandparents, your mother, your dad's in jail. And you have made it to this station despite the violence of the carceral state against your family. And now you are trying to tell yourself that you should not be proud of that. And that is, it's hard. But if I'm serious about dismantling elitism, dismantling class privilege, and I hate the word dismantle, but I'm just using it because I can't think of another one. Let's think of another one. Um, there's a word that I like that I'm struggling to remember. But if I'm going, if I'm violently opposing elitism, right? I can't violently oppose elitism in one hand and be like, "Ooh, look at me, an Ivy League bitch in the back." You know what I'm saying? Or I'm not an go to Ivy League, but me like an Ivy League bitch, like oh, I'm an Ivy League bitch, like Ivy League bitch, just stand up. Can't do that. You know, I can't. I can't do both. I have to be like, well, you know, I have my degree hung up. I have it hung up because it reminds me of the work that I put up, put in. And I have that, I, I have it up because my parents worked, uh, they gave me the frame a year after I graduated because at the time that we graduated, I couldn't afford to buy a, a, my own frame. And my family couldn't afford the frame. They couldn't afford dinner. They couldn't afford lunch. You know, I just, I, they drove back up to New York. After I graduated, I stayed in D.C. Then I flew to California for a wedding. Then after that, I moved into an, a, one, a one room. Not a one bedroom, not a one anything. We all slept in one room. So the amount of po the poverty that I had, that I endured at that, despite all of this, that degree reminds me of that. So I keep it, I haven't hung up. But all of this to say, actually there is something I want to talk about that I will end with actually. Um, all of this to say, only therapy or therapeutic approaches have gotten me to a point where I can do that and still love myself. I can do that and, and be secure. I can do that and not doubt or not question who I am, what I bring to a space. Only therapeutic approaches have gotten me there. Analysis has not. You know, analysis, and there are a lot of things like that. Like my gender expression like how to feel good and feel like you have a personal sense of power that is not subjugating. When you yourself have been subjugated, you know, like understanding, I have some things that I'll talk in the next episode about the will. The will will be something that I go into next episode, but things about willfulness that aren't about domination. It's really difficult and, I, and for me, analysis fails there. I did want to end with a huge congratulations, though, right? Like, I want to congratulate my mother, Joanna Y. Oldham. She, her, she's a producer on Buried by the Bernards. It was released on Netflix February 12th. I didn't discuss it on the February 16th pod because I hadn't yet seen it because I was preparing for this. Actually, because I wanted to keep all shows for after the surgery so that I could just binge everything. But I am very, very proud of her. 
I can't wait till she tells her own story one of these days. She is an, a constant source of inspiration. Um, and so by some of my story, you can obviously infer some of her story, but she's done incredible. So for her to be at this place in her life and she's still getting more and more work and everything is going really well, I just cannot stop being proud of her. So shout out to her. Check out Buried by the Bernards if you have not, because we need them streams for a season two if not and um thank you for listening to me i'll talk to y'all next week <laughs>